Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Personal. 
Another book that Sheila has written is called Kingdom Compass, Do You Know Where You Are Going? This particular book launched Sheila's work in India. And her third book is The Country Compass, Mobilizing the Nation Through Acts of Kindness and Service. In her project planning work, Sheila reaches out to corporations, correctional facilities, and discussions include spirituality, sexuality, sanity, self-worth, scars, all those fun S-words. Sheila's domestic work with World Vision includes capacity, community, and relationship development. So you get a picture and a flavor of who she is and what her work entails. Visit uh, com, and you can get a link to uh, purchase her book, Love Letters to Him, which I highly recommend that you read. Or you can go directly to Sheila's website at www.loveletterstohim.com and you can learn more about Sheila's work. Now, one of the things that makes this show so different for those of you who are joining us for the first time is that we try to rely on the Life Manual as a guidepost to our living fully and increasing the success of our relationships. Now, if you're wondering what that is, the Life Manual is the manual that comes with your body, mind, and spirit. Depending on your personal persuasion, you may use the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, the Christian Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, uh, or some other holy writing that speaks to you. While expressed in different ways, the underlying truths about living right, living a godly life, tend to be the same. Sheila, welcome to the Seaway Show. Thank you, Seaway. I'm glad to be here. I hope you're enjoying Hawaii. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 80 degrees, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. yes I am. Coming from Minnesota, it's a good day. <laughs> yes. Now, Sheila, for the listeners who are hearing you for the first time on the show, tell us what your life manual is that you rely on. Okay. I have um, I chose the, the Holy Bible, and, you know, actually there are a number of translations that I enjoy and believe that um, there's actually two that have really done a great job of maintaining kind of the bridge from translation while still kind of increasing understanding, and that's the New King, King James and the New Living Translation. Okay. And do you read one or both? I read both. It just depends. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they're using different things for kind of different reasons, but um, primarily the New King James Version. I confess, I used to have a New King, uh, no, I had a, it wasn't a New King James, it was a King James Bible, and I was seduced by the these and the thous and the flowery language. Right. I thought it sounded amazing, except yeah, right. I couldn't understand what they were saying. So <laughs> so it took me a while to get to the point where I thought, you know, it's probably more important that I actually get what they're trying to convey. So I ended up, you know, with some other version. <laughs> and I think but, that I mean, it makes sense to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now let's jump right into our very important topic today. Um, I'm going to make a statement that I have heard when single adults talk about sex. Only young teens and tweens need to worry about when to have sex, true or false? Well, um, no, uh, they do not. I mean, I believe that, you know, our culture makes it probably almost impossible not to think about sex 
and the timing. You know, it's, it is very common for virgins, i.e., the you know, 40-year-old ones, to be ridiculed. You know, if a person is going to wait for sex, um, they really need to have a very thick skin and, I believe, secure relationship with God, um, you know, to, to wait. And just kind of based on my work with love letters and just research that has been done, and even um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a, another author, Paula Reinhardt, that I admire um, we're going to be able to really dig into, you know, why people can can wait. So all that to say then that if I am an adult and I am in my 40s and I'm in my 30s and I find myself single, that this is something that I need to be concerned about and pretty proactively figure out what I'm going to do and who I am. Fair? Yeah, it, it it really is, and you know, uh, it, at at this point, I mean, really, people can actually wait for sex. I mean, you say why? Why do I have to? I mean, you you can have sex if you want to, of course, but I really want to argue um, why not wait. That um, believe it or not, there are a number of women and men that really are waiting. You know, there are people are abstaining and okay. there are yeah, you know. There are Christians so, Go ahead. You, you well I, I, I wanna kind of walk you through this. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you our next statement, which is I am forty, I am single, I have no romantic ties. Why can I not have sex? Okay. Well, uh, like I said, you I mean you you really can, and and I think that there probably are a lot of uh, listeners that have, you know, have a lot of issues. I mean, this this topic is is highly talked about. People are talking about it all the time. Um, I think you know women, women and men, but I think women talk about it a lot. But I do know that um, you know people are abstaining, and um, there are. You know, Christian adults that still believe in the principles um, that God indicates in the Bible. You know, really, what sometimes you know seems somewhat um, maybe passe is that uh, the original plan was and still is for men to to save sex for marriage. It kind of really has the benefit or pleasure. Of marriage, and it was for procreation. I mean, nobody ever kind of talks about that anymore. But that was really the the original, you know, original plan. And and there are people that actually do abstain because of that. Well, I was going to say to you that um, first of all, sex is so uh, abstaining is so passe. And the second thing I was going to say to you is, who waits anymore? But actually, it sounds like there are people that do. They do. They people are. I mean, if you can't, I mean, people they don't talk about it probably as much because, or that they are waiting because people they joke. I mean, there's that's huge. I mean, they've got movies. You know, it's the. I remember when they had uh, the couple uh, basketball the basketball player. I can't remember what his name was, but when he came out, he was forty and he had been a virgin. And I mean, they just, you know, they was they thought it was hilarious. And teased him, and you know, obviously, some people, you know, um, respected him, but it's it's difficult, I think, for people to actually be 
um, or abstain and to be open about that. Comparatively, um, you know, years ago, it was that was a standard. I have heard that um, men and women hit their sexual primes at different times in their life. So, and I haven't studied this. However, my next statement is, my hormones are raging because I'm a mature man or woman in my sexual prime. Why should I abstain? Um, well, you know, maybe one or more um, surface reasons really are, you know, that there really are consequences. And sometimes, you know, it takes a while for women in particular to, to feel the impact of sexual relationships um, with men that they've known. We, you know, we live in a culture determined to minimize the impact and really to treat sex as kind of one or more pleasures that are to be had between, you know, two consenting adults. Uh, women, honestly, I mean, I've, you know, I've seen it, I've heard it in my research. Um, you know, even Paula talked a lot about, you know, women feel the effects of kind of broken sexual bonds more deeply than they'd really like to admit. Uh, you know, when a couple breaks up, Men seem to sometimes just kind of dust themselves off and, you know, move on more easily than women do. You know, maybe they're just sometimes just better pretenders. But, you know, I really do believe that, you know, that uh, there is impact for both of them. And we really do believe that, you know, sex, sometimes the sex is going to make us happy. But inside kind of the room of the pleasure, there's just there's this huge truckload of heartache and, sexual transmitted diseases. You know, STDs, you know, in women often um, operate underneath the surface and sometimes remain silent or invisible for a number of years. You know, the the symptoms can be internal, they're hidden, they're hard to detect, and they surface, you know, sometimes years later. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things is physical diseases is kind of like a metaphor for what happens in the realm of the heart that, you know, in which the damage is real but often is revealed only over a long period of time. And so, you know, you may be feeling like, oh, you know, my hormones are raging, but, I mean, there's just a, a number of reasons why, kind of underneath the, the surface of why you want to abstain. None of my friends are abstaining, and the people I date expect to have sex at some point in the relationship. So how do I resist? Okay. None of your friends. Well, sometimes, well, most of them, they they probably would tell you if they were abstaining. But, um, you know, you wait, I believe, by considering some of the outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, so many men and women fall into bed now really with no promise made or no expectation to which they want to hold each other. Mm-hmm. Um you know, love and romance. Is that because women are afraid to demand or ask for or express what they want and expect? Yeah, in I those do, situations. Yeah, I do believe that is sometimes there's a fear, you know, fear of of um, expectation. And I'll talk. Uh, Want to talk a little bit about that, you know, uh, in a minute. And but I also feel that you know, love and 
um, romance also, it kind of has really taken a back seat to kind of just this more immediate pleasure of sex, just kind of thinking about mm-hmm. it that they really, really want it. And, you know, I, and I believe that women, if they are honest with themselves, um, for many of them there is a longing for romance and really being pursued, you know, by a man. Um, there seems to be kind of a growing awareness that something you know, beautiful between men and women is being trampled on in this rush to the sexual. So we're just kind of losing that piece and the kind of the dance between men and women um, that used to be really scripted kind of in the late 60s. You know, we don't really see that. The kind of the letter writing, the modesty, the anticipation for sex um, has has gone away. And, you know, you wait because um, somewhere deep within the soul and kind of the heart of the woman and the man that um, that they want to wait. They really do want to wait. Mm-hmm. How will we know if we are sexually compatible if we don't have sex before we get married? Well, you know, that um, I think it's probably tied to uh, to another, you know, some other thoughts that, uh, other questions. But I think that you, you really, you don't want to determine, you know, you don't want to use that as your guide uh, to say, are you, are you compatible? Because if you're looking at, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about how, um, you know, God has, identified the kind of the marriage bed as to be pure and you really want to wait and it's going to be based on, um, you know, your relationship with God and helping you to be able to to wait for someone and know that when you do actually have, um, you know, sex with them that that relationship is pure and it is going to be right. And so kind of this whole test driving you know, uh, um, someone beforehand is really not um, something that is actually healthy or something that um, spiritually um, will, uh, it's it's, it's not spiritually healthy as, as well. Okay, well, here's my thought about that, and you tell me if I'm on the right track. If you have decided to allow God to choose your spouse, then what you know is that when that choice is made for you, that the sex will be whatever it's supposed to be in the context of that relationship. Uh, We're not promised, you know, that everything will be wonderful, but what you can count on is that the overall picture of your compatibility with your spouse as chosen for you by God, is going to be correct. And um, whereas if you are really trying to make that choice on your own, then the whole concept of, gee, how do I know we're really compatible, then becomes a deeper, maybe it becomes a more critical question for you personally because what you're trying to do is you're trying to assess every aspect of this relationship using your own wisdom, your own understanding, 
and your own perceptions, which are going to be limited because, of course, you don't know everything. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know what your future compatibility will be. So I would guess that the person who would be more concerned about the test driving, I like that term that you use, would probably be somebody who was trying to really make that choice on their own as opposed to if I've decided that God's going to make the choice of a spouse for me, I'm not really concerned about the test driving because I know that I already trust that that choice is going to be right. Would that be accurate? It would be. And, you know, compatibility is not, it should not solely be based on sex. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. probably the, the, the crack in the premise, you know, in itself. And so, you know, if all of these other pieces, you know, of, you know, who the person is and, you know, and, and what they're passionate about and, you know, what is their what is their value, what are their values and the character of who they are, that is what, you know, digs into is really the substance of what intimacy is all about. And so mm-hmm. the, if you have those pieces, you know, then you are going to that the the sex will be good because you're not focused on that. You're you're focused on the, the more the the soulish realm versus just the physical. And I'm not saying that the this you know the physical part could not be good, but you're that that's not going to be where your attention is. You know, and and I think that's part of where the challenge is. You know, with people so much desire so desiring to have good sex, and they're mm-hmm. missing. I mean, this whole that maybe you know I, I can't maybe put a percentage on it, but I mean you know it's a it's a small percent of um, what the whole intimate relationship is all about, and so you know that, yeah I just think that's a, it's it's a mis uh, misconception about you know what good sex is. A good sex is going to make um, you know a great relationship. I have a heard great marriage. This- excuse me. <laughs> I have heard this comment more from men over the course of my life than I ever have from from women, because I would suspect that, and I've I've read some books. There's a there's a book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages, that mm-hmm. talks about um, what really the language of love that men and women speak. And one of the things that is noteworthy is, you know, women value things like security. Women value things like, you know, um, emotional intimacy, right? We're talking, we're spending quality time together. It's not sexual. Whereas, you know, in my personal experience, men are more inclined to be concerned about sex after marriage. And the common Perhaps it's a mis I hope it's a misconception, but the, the, the common criticism is that when when ma- after marriage women tend to be much less interested in sex than men are. And so when a guy is sexually satisfied in his marriage, life is good. Everything is good. You know, the biggest problems just don't seem that great. Whereas, you know, if if a if a man is not having sex after marriage or if he's not having good sex or the frequency of it isn't what he wants or the quality of it isn't what he wants, then, you know, his whole life then takes on a different kind of hue and his perception of the relationship. So, you know, I, at, at some point maybe I'll what I'll do is uh, take a look and see if there's some polls that were done to see who has the bigger issue with the quality and the frequency of sex, but I would suspect that it's really more a man's concern because that's where I've heard it. 
have you have you had that experience too, or is it about the same for you? <laughs> you're asking, you're saying you have a number of things within that. You know, first is that um, you know with the love languages, you know, men and women both. You know, obviously there's no absolute, but that they both kind of give love and expect love, kind of Chapman's you know premise in different ways, and that you really are kind of trying to identify. You know, what do I need to feel love? You know, you know, is it about, you know, giving things? Is it about personal touch? Is it about, you know, assisting? And so that's yeah. that's one piece of it. But then the, the actual sex, sexual part in terms of men wanting or feeling, you know, all the, they just want sex kind of after they get married or their life is good, you know, as long as they're having sex, um, it, there is... Um, there is also some data around that both men and women have this desire for sex and touch. Um, so there's two things that are really going on here in this in this point. First and foremost, that people should wait until they're married. So if they're having sex and you know it's oh it's more frequent or whatever beforehand, I mean that that they're missing the whole point and the whole um, benefit of waiting. Until they do get married, so if okay, so that's the first point. When they actually do get married, and there is there's a lot of information around, you know, their life changes. Maybe if they have children, um, you know, just so many life happens that it's really important that both of them focus on still having that that level of intimacy with actual physical touch because it is important, you know, to both of them. And that, you know, there's a, there's a number of women that, you know, will even talk about how um, they want to have sex after marriage, you know, while they're married, um, but they're, they're so tired. And some of the, even the challenges in managing a household where, you know, the typical responsibilities or maybe responsibilities for the household has been placed on the woman, and so she's trying to do everything, you know, the cooking, cleaning, or or whatever, taking care of the kids, and, you know, maybe the husband isn't doing anything. And so then by the time they get ready to get in the bed, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm revved up. And she's like, she's like I'm tired. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, Woo, you know, there's, just, yeah, there's a number of things that kind of are within that. So she really does want to, but she just has nothing left, you know, to give. And so also being able to be clear about expectations in terms of responsibilities um, and knowing that that's, that's a part of, what is going to help keep a marriage very healthy, uh, you know, uh, and that both that I think men and women really do want. It. Women do want it too, but it's just a lot of times they, they um, may not, uh, you know, have enough physical stamina, um, you know, to do it. I mean, now they've even come out with this, uh, you know, kind of like Viagra for women. I mean, I saw that recently. So <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you know, hopefully, oh, you know, people won't have to need have to use that. But um, it, you know, a lot of it is just because they. They still do want to. Okay, so I'm going to play a clip that was of a song that came out in the mid-'80s when I was a teenager. And some of my uh, uh, adult listeners, those of you listening to the show, may remember this song. Thank you. 
that was the big question of the day when I was about in my mid-teens, 15, 16. And um, I have to confess, I was not at all troubled by that question because I wasn't really interested in boys until at that point anyway. Um, but it was a big issue, and people were singing that song, especially girls, because the guys were saying, well, if you love me, then you would. Um, so let's jump into our next series of questions, um, which start with, if I resist. No man is going to want me. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, okay. We talked well, about fears. This is one of <laughs> right, them. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think women in particular um, often believe that they, you know, will receive kind of love and acceptance, you know, from sex alone. I mean, they they want really kind of the sexual partner to fill this void. And, you know, whether it's a one-night fling or kind of a long-term monog- monogamous sex, you know, I believe that without kind of this commitment of marriage, um, that it really deteriorates kind of the individual's value and kind of level of, of trust. And so that's where that kind of fear comes in. And, um, you know, often because of, you know, having, you know, sex or, you know, having that feeling, you know, they often become really numb vague and there's kind of this just this sense of kind of loss and regret regret that um oftentimes is really even hard to name and that just kind of follows you so it's just like you the, the the fear um is built up based on all of this um kind of having sex beforehand and then the relationship you know gets dropped and and then you begin to feel numb and alone and you know kind of why uh, kind of really uh, looking at why am I this way or causing you, really thinking that you're you're part of the problem, but it's really, it's not you, it's maybe what you're doing. I have heard this from men and women, um, the idea that there is competition among women for men. And so there are, you know, there is the perception, especially, you know, with uh, tied to this idea that no man's going to want me if I resist. There's also the sense that there are more women after any given man than there are men available. So if I resist, not only will it be hard for me to find a guy, but the next woman is going to be willing to do whatever it is she needs to to get him. So what do you think about that? I, yeah, I have my opinions about that. But what do you think about this idea of competition driving the behavior? Well, I definitely, uh, you know, believe that competition does, uh, that there is a competitive nature. I mean, we live in a culture where, you know, everything is about, how, you know, how do you look, how do you package yourself so that, you know, supposedly some guy will want you. You know, I mean, you know, bigger breasts and 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 uh, and all of that. The whole deal is Short to get the skirt. package, to get the right package. So, you know, so somebody's going to want to take the, your package home. Um, mm-hmm. And higher heels. I believe I believe that we're missing we're missing what the real package is. So that you know mm-hmm. we're we're focused on the external package when really I think what sustains. A, a long-term relationship, a long-term marriage, is going to be based on what's on the inside. Now, of course, you know, 
you know, the way you look. I mean, what do you think about it? I mean, you, you've seen, you know, I mean, just beautiful, you know, older couples. They said, I've been married, you know, for for 50 years or 40 years. I mean, and they still live, yeah. love each other. They still kiss and hold their hands and whatever. And they look and, alike. <laughs> they're looking. I mean, yeah. There's, you know, her breasts are sagging, and I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, all of the things are going on. But I mean, he loves her. He loves her. <laughs> you know, and so um, we're we're we, we are we're caught so much in this whole instant gratification and on the on the physical side of what love and supposed sex, you know, is in a, in a relationship when we really need to look at more internal and the soul of a person and you when when that physical piece goes away you know yeah. that um you're going to have that internal piece and so um so the premise here is that women are going to have to really recognize who really focus on their character their value and say you know what I am I'm a solid package not you know I guess I I mean I look decent but I am more concerned with um, developing this internal package and um, identifying what are my core values, and then that is what I'm going to attract. So I'm going, I'm going to wait. So these other, you know, women, they can keep going out giving themselves and 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 damaging themselves and hurting their hearts, but I'm going to wait for the man that I know is for me and is and it's going to be compatible with who I am. As a person, and so then you, what you end up is you'll get who you're supposed to, and you'll let all you know a bunch of cows. You say they can all just keep passing by, you know, and <laughs> ten, twenty of them. That's all right. You go ahead. Well, when when my man, the one I'm supposed to be with and supposed to have a lifelong partner, comes, um, we will be compatible, and he will see me, and I will see him for who we are, and it will not be based on kind of these superficial external um, characteristics. Well, I completely agree with that, and you know, I'm that part of the reason we're doing this show is because I'm 41 and I'm single, and I thought I and and one of the things that surprised me when I got divorced was I did not expect to have to deal with questions and debates about who am I sexually, and who am I supposed to be because I was just kind of thinking, well, you know, those were issues when I was a young adult. Um, but I find that I still have to be intentional about thinking about those things. And my my two cents on that, you know, no man will want me if I resist, is it, it echoes what you said, Sheila, which is, first of all, when I have seen what those women look like who are out to get men with, you know, the the you know practically with sometimes the butt is hanging out the boobs are hanging out and you know everything is just big and everything is just really <laughs> overdone you know right. I look at some some I look at some women and I think well I would not want whatever man she's going to be able to get because I'm not I don't look like that I don't want to look like that and it's it's sort of it exudes a sexuality that's just sort of over the top. And you kind of think, well, that's not what I'm looking for in my relationship. I'm not looking for it to be defined by my sexuality. So if a guy is looking for that kind of over-the-top sexuality, she's hot, she's fine, she's this, and that's his primary attraction, then I don't want him. Um, So then I don't have to compete Right, because that's not the kind of man that I'm looking for anyway. I'm looking for the guy who's going to like me with my sagging boobs when I'm seventy. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't want or, the 
Maybe or if you get sick the... or something happens and maybe you can't have sex for a while. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just so many things. And that then it he has runs away. Or... Yes, right, yeah. right, because you, you don't see, have all you, of that. And you see the guys who run off with the spring chickens when the woman turns, you know, 50, 60, and he goes off with the 30-year-old because he's looking for something younger, and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be in that position. So that's no. not the kind of guy I want. But the other thing is that, you know, when I think about the concept of competition, because I hear this question from men and women, and, you know, I was out with a friend of mine one day, and I'm looking around, we're at a a club, and he says, are you checking out the competition? And I thought, you know, I'm I'm not in competition with any other woman, because if we truly believe who we are in God, these are my sisters. And they're not my competition because whatever blessings are meant for her will come to her, just like whatever blessings are meant for me will come to me no matter what she looks like, no matter what she does. And so if I am well settled in who I am as a child of my father, then I know that there is no lack and there is no competition there is what's coming to me, and so I don't have to be concerned about competition for other, from other women because, like you said, Sheila, the one with whom I am compatible is going to be compatible with me no matter who else is around. So I don't need yeah. to be concerned about the competition. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, you really you don't. You don't. And uh, and we're we're missing that, you know, just like just because, the the culture sucks you in, and you you have to really be strong. So I said, you have to really know who you are, you have to know um, what you believe in, um, and and I think also to some of these points, knowing that um, if you if you you're seeing the hurt, I mean you're seeing how many people are being hurt using the system that they're yeah. using. That that's not working. I mean it's clear no. that what we're doing is not working. And so something that I believe something's gotta change, you know, um, because we've got to move back. I think we've got to move back to modesty. We've got to move back to stronger, you know, kind of even ethics around this because we are getting hurt. There I mean there are some damaged folks around, men and women, but you know, women it, 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 because oftentimes they really do internalize and a lot of the pressure is on them to, you know, put together this this package and this facade that just, you know, having sex with anybody and I can, you know, I can be like a man and I'm just going to be tough and I'm not going to care, you know, and uh, and just getting blown away, you know, um, emotionally, you know, in the process. And so we, we've got to do something different. If I resist, this is this one is for, for the guys. If I resist, the woman will think I'm gay. <laughs> and 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 the okay, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. I, it, you know, to to me, I'm like, okay, men or women, it could be, but you know, I mean, who cares? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. honestly, um, a, a man has to just like a woman has to know who he is, and you know, in this culture, you know, that is a it's a huge issue now, and even with you know men, sometimes you know being down low and they're afraid, you know, because it still may not be, um, you know, as acceptable even though, you know, it seems like, you know, that is homosexuality is more accepting now. But that's not the point. The point really is it doesn't matter um, whether somebody thinks you're gay or not. Their people are going to always have their opinions about 
who you are. So, you know, some woman, if they're if you haven't had sex and they're saying, well, why, what's wrong with you? You have to know that this is something, this is who you are, and you desire to live your life in this way. And the only opinion truly that matters about you is what God thinks because you can take a group of people and, you know, ten different people and you can probably get ten different opinions about who you are and what you're doing. And so Mm -hmm. I think that what's most important is knowing who you are and trying not to worry about what other people think um, because uh, opinions are fleeting. I like the different kinds of intimacy that come with sex. The kissing beforehand, the foreplay, the cuddling afterwards, being held through the night. It feels great. So why should I give that up? Well, you know, (laughs) 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 right, okay, okay. Um, you know, okay, so people have been sleeping around, you know, since the beginning of time. I mean, just and enjoying, you know, just kind of the intimacy. Um, But also for as long as I know that there also has been wedding vows, you know, and there is, I mean, sexual intimacy um, has has been something that that really should have been something that's set apart, kind of as a sacrament. And really reserved um, for the realm of a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. You know, you give this up because um, the the challenge is when you violate this kind of godly principle. Um, I believe sometimes more the woman than the man, but it's but both of them. They often begin kind of this downward spiral of um, kind of feeling betrayed or devastated when when the relationship kind of doesn't work out. So, you you know, you're getting that benefit, but then something doesn't work and you, you, you're you giving kind of yourself away, you know, then the woman oftentimes asks herself, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, and then starts questioning, you know, how much of my heart am, should I should I give out? How much should I trust this man or how much should I trust this woman? You know, and so you're you're giving it up or letting it go because you're thinking about the potential consequence, especially if you're not married, there's a con- there's, there is the risk that it may not work, and you're getting that immediate gratification of that touching and mm-hmm. foreplay and everything beforehand, but if it doesn't work, then you're going to be, you know, in this piece of why did I do this, and now, you know, um, I, I, something's been taken from me. You know, a piece of uh, I think a woman's soul is just taken out of her when um, when that happens, and so that mm-hmm. is a reason why you may give it up. Paula Reinhardt talks about this concept of giving pieces of yourself away every mm-hmm. time you attach yourself to a mate in a sexual way, and you don't you 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 never get those pieces back, and ergo the damage and you know sort of the fallout. So let us listen now to a clip. And now, before I, I, I have to say that uh, I, my favorite uh, motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, one of the things that he said that cracked me up was, a hypocrite is a person who complains about the sex nudity and violence on their VCI. And so as I'm playing this clip, 
uh, let me hasten to say that all of these songs actually were readily available on my iPod, so I do not stand in judgment. But um, what I do want the listeners to do is listen to the words of the stuff that, you know, frankly is wonderful music that we listen to these days, and we don't think much about the lyrics unless you actually listen to them and you go, what did he say? So here's one of those songs. Take a listen. My chick bad, my chick good, my chick do stuff that your chick wish she could. My chick bad, baby, baby, danger. My chick bad, baby, baby, danger. My chick bad, baby, baby, danger. My chick bad. And when we all alone, I might just trip on. He flies down the pole, I can certify stripping. When we all alone, I might just trip on. He flies down the pole, I can certify stripping. When we all alone. Okay, so that was Magic Bad. And in case you didn't quite catch the lyrics, it was Magic Bad, Magic Good, Magic Do Stuff That Your Chick Wish She Could. And when we're all alone, I might just tip her. She slides down the pole. Like a certified stripper. (laughs) Sheila, do you have any thoughts about that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Okay. So, you know, yes, I do. I, uh, when, when I first wrote Love Letters, you know, I... I almost felt like I was kind of in this this whole sea of um, even the the premise of this song that you know it's so much about trying to kind of to please man um, and you know get love man wanting love um, from women in a particular physical sexual way and that uh, m- I have a desire, and I believe that men and women also have this real heart, soul, felt desire to be intimate um, at first with God. That, you know, that relationship with God actually is the one that makes us whole. And so it's, it's difficult if you're, you know, you're kind of in this, this sea of kind of almost like a matrix, I feel like. We're in a ma- that That song is kind of the matrix of where we're living right now is that, you know, somebody can can say that make you kind of compare yourself, um, you know, to a stripper, and that you need to make yourself in a way that is going to be appealing, um, and that is it's it's a lie. I mean, I think it, it's it's a lie, and um, we the as in our culture we've done a phenomenal job of kind of avoiding what really is the truth of what truly makes us secure, what really makes us happy and fulfilled. Um, and it's based on this physical, we believe it's based on the physical piece and not really identifying how to, there's so many emotional consequences of um, sex before marriage and, you know, um, acting like a stripper, you can get a, you know, you can get a pole now, you know, in your bedroom. I mean, you can, you, they got classes now on, mm-hmm. you know, pole, pole oh, dancing, yeah. you know, because it's, you're going to strengthen your muscles. And so um, I, I think it's, 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 it's a huge lie and um, we've got to move away from it. And people are, they are doing it because 
they're seeing the benefit of um, protecting their heart, protecting the value of who they are. On that on that topic, we've skirted around the issue of men a little bit, but let's just hit it head on. Are there consequences, negative consequences for men? Because in society today, you know, the impression is that it's the women who are, just like in that song, really the ones who are motivated to please. But are there negative consequences for men as well? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that you know, part of the challenge of sometimes even getting at that data is, you know, men oftentimes may not say you know, how they're mm-hmm. feeling, and so there, I'm sure that there's research, I have not done it, you know, on um, how men, you know, feel when, um, you know, they're not able to have a sustained relationship or what happens, you know, when women, if the women cheat on them. Um, but, you know, you do hear from time to time where you can you can see that it is it, it can be devastating for them as well. I mean, they, too, want the intimacy. They want a committed relationship, um, and when the the loss of that is painful because they have a soul too, even though they there may be this pretense that, oh, you know, I can have sex with, you know, different women and, you know, the whole, what is it, mambo, what's it, mambo, mambo number five? Mambo number you know? five, a little yeah, bit of this, right. a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> right, and so that, you know, that's, again, I think the, the lie um, that we have been um, duped to believe but but men hurt too, and that and it it hurts them to the core um, when they're unable to have this fulfillment. Um, and then I think even more, just the whole piece of family and that the security around family and, and and children and being able to um, to develop and leave a legacy, you know, and that all of that's tied into just a long term relationship. Even though we don't often see that as much, but there is. Um, you know, there's there's some data around it. One of the things that I've heard, and I heard this from from a, a, a gentleman, uh, maybe about a year ago, and he had moved to Minnesota. And one of the things that he said he was he was divorced, and I said, "Oh, so are you dating?" He says, "Well, nobody in Minnesota." And I said, "Why is that?" And he said, "Nothing should be that easy." And I thought, "Oh, jeez." <laughs> And so one of one of the things that Paula Reinhardt talks about is the fact that men expect to be on the hunt. They expect they're hunter gatherers. They expect to chase the woman. And if the woman just turns around and throws herself at him, um, there is that sense that you know, that I heard from that was epitomized in this comment from this gentleman that, you know, it's just too easy. And right. and and I'm a man, and I want to woo, and I want to you know go through the paces. I want to feel like I had to do something for the this woman because I at least want to feel like I you know she's not just giving it away everywhere to everybody. And right. so uh, you know part of the guy's perspective, and and I haven't asked a whole lot of men to find out you know to to verify this, but it seems that part of the issue on the man's side is. If it's all so easy, then it's of less value to me because I'm really looking for something that is special, that is unique, that is not that I don't feel is out there for you know any guy with a halfway decent job who can just walk by and she's just willing to open her legs and throw herself at him. Right. Exactly. 
it, it is it is too easy. And you know, and women are thinking, you know, he's thinking he wants her to wait, and she's thinking I don't want to wait because he won't want me if I don't wait. You know, mm-hmm. but both mm-hmm. of them actually really want the same thing. Is the point <laughs> that they both should want someone that's willing to wait because um, it increases the value. I mean, I think that's probably one of the core pieces that we pulled away out of, out of today. You know, one of the things is that, that there is a value um, in being able to wait, and men and women both, I believe, want it. What about the the the, the couple that says, that's listening to this and says, well, that's great to know now. Um, I already slept with him. I already slept with her. <laughs> First of all, does that mean my relationship is doomed to failure? Um, you know, that's really a, it's a it's a great question. You know, because really in my um, my love letters work, just in women in general, kind of you know, I've done some work with rescued prostitutes. You know, so um, men and women in in prison, and it actually you know kind of comes up a lot because mm-hmm. people are having sex before they get married, or people aren't getting married as much, and you know, but. Um, it is never too late to abstain. It's never too late. Um, and there's actually, you know, Paula talks about it, and I've heard this before as well, as, you know, something that's called kind of renewed virginity. And, uh, you know, this is actually kind of a process to kind of start fresh and set yourself kind of apart um, with God, you know, as he helps you kind of wait for this person um that you have already had sex with, but that you're saying, okay, we're going to re- renew, we're going to refresh our relationship, um, we're going to prepare ourselves to be husband and wife, and and then there is this the belief that when you actually do wait, it, it, you could stop and then wait again and renew yourself, that you will experience kind of sexual in- intimacy that is going to blow your mind, body, and soul away. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And so mm-hmm. there, it, it's not going to be doomed. It's actually going to be refreshed. Well, if I'm going to get married, then isn't it okay that we slept together? And we're not just sort of sampling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you're you're going to get married, but what you want to recognize is that, you know, Every, I really do believe that people need um, kind of governors in their life. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, when we don't want, um, uh, you know, we really we need boundaries. I believe we need boundaries, and when we don't have boundaries, um, we get hurt. And so, you know, one of the things about the life manual, you know, is that, you know, God's word really kind of creates parameters to to keep, to kind of keep us safe. And that the life manual talks about, you know, marriage really, you know, should be honored by all. Marriage is, uh, the marriage bed is to be kept pure. And that um, even though people really don't talk about this, that, you know, God really does, he's the one, not people, but he judges, you know, adultery and, you know, sexual um, immorality. And along with, you know, you know, so many other people just really believe that there really are these consequences of activities outside of these boundaries. And, you know, the, the flip side is that, you know, within them, 
there are huge benefits of uh, within a relationship that we can't imagine. And so, um, you may be saying that we're going to, you know, we're going to get married and we're it's going to happen, but until it does, there is the reality that there are some consequences that can come about um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, when we live outside of that, uh, of those protective boundaries. All right. Well, uh, in that case, I suppose this kind of begs the question if we're living together. <laughs> right, right. And, um, yeah. maybe, ought not, maybe we ought not to be living together in the first place. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about that is... Um, there's a, there's this huge temptation. You know, it's just like... You know, if you're on a diet, you know, you're saying, okay, I'm going to abstain from, you know, eating a lot of food or maybe, or, uh, you know, eating a bunch of sweets. And, you know, you find yourself at, you know, Baker Square every day. I mean, you know, I mean, it's going to be pretty difficult. I mean, I love, I mean, I love sweets. I love pie, you know. So, I mean, that is not a place I need to be hanging out in because I'm going to be extremely tempted to to give in to that. And so it's not not to say that you cannot um abstain while living together because you can. Um but I think that the the um the, the temptations are greater. I mean right before um I got married, I mean I actually had premarital sex before I got married. Mm-hmm. And um the probably you know I was going through this is when I was in I was in college and I was starting to really feel just the, um, a, a strong kind of conviction in my, in my relationship with God. Nobody was saying anything to me about what I should be doing. I mean, there was this perception that I shouldn't, but, I mean, I was doing what I wanted to do. But I really began to feel like I wasn't, I didn't want to have sex anymore. And I talk about this in a, in a workshop. That, um, and so I asked my uh, fiancé, you know, you know, people always say they're fiancé until they, you know, <laughs> even if they don't have any rings, they're still fiancé. But um, they said, um, if gonna, my fiancé, if we uh, can abstain, I wanted us to stop. We had been, but I wanted us to stop because I felt very strongly about I wanted us to wait until we got married. And, <laughs> um, what you know, bro, that? he was like, okay, he's like, what is wrong with you? You know, why? <laughs> Yes. Why now? (laughs) Right, right now, after all this time. And uh, honestly, I mean, I had a couple of emotions about it, but I was like really felt very strongly said, you know what, you can do what you want to do. This is, honestly, I believe that this is between, you know, me and God, and um, I don't want to further damage, um, you know, myself and this relationship. If you feel like you've got to have that sexual you know, release so bad, You don't tell me you going to do what you need to do, protect yourself or whatever. I mean, I really did mean that, you know. I mean, I hope that he wow. didn't, but, I mean, I, I didn't have any control over that. But I said, I want us to wait until when we get married, you know, it was going to be like another 18 months um, before we got married. And I said, I want Ooh. you to wait. And so um, one good thing about that is I actually, because I was in um, living in another state, so um, we moved. I mean, when I moved, um, shortly after that I moved back to um to Minnesota, and so we had a long distance relationship. We'd see each other from you know from time to time, so it made it a little easier. But it was still hard because when I'd see him, then you know you're reflecting about the times you were together before, and 
And, um, you know, I did yeah, flip up one square. time. So I have to admit, I did flip up one time. But overall, we were <laughs> we were able to abstain. And so then when we did get married, I remember that night, it was just so beautiful because I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm. it's like I am – Kind of like a virgin again, and it was it was amazing. I mean, it really can right. happen. I mean, I just know from my own my own life, you know, this own personal te- testimony that um, you really can, um, and God can give you the strength to do it. I mean, I couldn't do that on my own, you know. I you know, especially when you start reflecting on um, what you've had. But I think you have to look at not what you had, but more what you can gain in being able to abstain. Well, thank you, Sheila, for joining us today. We are way at the top of our hour, and um, we are going to close out now. Listeners, um, when you look at this show, after the show airs, you're going to find that there is a lot of content on the website that you can access, including Paula Reinhardt's book, Sex and the Soul of a Woman, as well as some interesting studies. There have been studies that demonstrate that actually married couples have more satisfying sex than non-married couples. There have also been studies that have demonstrated that live-in situations have a higher failure rate than even first marriages and second marriages, I believe. And so check out the website for all of those statistics that may surprise you. And uh, you will also find a reference of the highlights of this audio blog. And tune in for future shows. We're going to do this for teens, as I said. So if you're wondering what to tell your teens about this topic, especially if if you're like me, you've got young daughters, what do I tell them? We're going to give you a show about that. Join us next week as we kick off our Christmas series. And uh, given that it is the Christmas season, we're going to be talking about lots of Christmassy things. So next week we'll be talking about how you too can talk to God and say things that actually generate a conversation besides, oh, God, why did I invite all these people over? And, uh, boy, God, if you'll get me out of this, I'm going to. So join us next week. And until then, this is Biwe saying go in peace and um, figure out what you're going to do about your sexuality. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.